The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC can be found online at overlandpark.cc. If you have your Bibles, turn to uh, uh, 1 Peter. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1 and chapter 2. Everybody excited about today's game, man? Let's go. Yeah, man. We watched with the Hurts last week, and I, uh, I nearly had to give CPR to Quentin. It was bad. <laughs> <laughs> and so I said, we got to watch it together again. We can't do anything different. So wore the same shirt. I'm sure some of you did as well. And uh, I'm not superstitious, really, but kind of, I guess. And so looking forward to another uh, fun day. How fun it is when your team's uh, in still playing football this late in the season. So we're excited about that. I, uh, I think it's awesome that so many of you um, are having kids. Uh, or about to, and uh, and so cool, so exciting for the church. And I look at you as I said last week, and I I see myself. You know, this seems like yesterday I was in your shoes, but it's been twenty years. And man, that's not cliche. It really seems like yesterday. Um, and I remember taking Joel home. You know, life is fascinating. If you called me up and wanted me to do some electrical work on your home, now I can do a little bit of electrical work, but um, not really supposed to do that. Uh, need a license. If you call me to do something like that, I can't do that. But here we are. We go to the hospital. We have this baby, and they just send us home with him. And like we. We got home, I remember we got home, we men and worked real hard on his nursery and decorated it all and everything, and uh, boy, you really do that for the first kid. By the third kid, you just throw him in the same spot, like you don't even worry about it. Um, but I remember we, we got home, we got him out of the car seat and uh, took him in the house, put him in the bed, and stood there and looked at him. And then we was kind of like, what do we do now? And said, no, no, no. And didn't have any idea what we were supposed to do other than what we had seen our parents do. And uh, I know what we wanted is what all parents want. You want what's best for your kids. You want to give them the best experience that you possibly can. But the truth of the matter is, is you have absolutely no experience in what you're doing. You've never done this. You don't know if you're doing it right. And all you have to rely on is your own childhood experience, and it could be good or it could be bad. Um, if it's good, you're thankful for that. Um, but it could be a bad experience, you know. It could be one where you're like, I'm not going to be a parent like my parents were. I'm not going to be like my dad was. Maybe you had an absentee father or something like that, and you've just made a vow that you're not going to do that. And so last week, I challenged you to create a safe, green, and fun house. <clears throat> a place where your kids can develop and they, they have a refuge, if you will, to come to and to be uh, in, a, in a place where they're accepted and where they're loved. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in the coming weeks. But the reality is, in order to be able to do that, um, you need firsthand experience from a perfect parent. That's the reality of the situation. And the only way to get that is by being in a personal relationship with Jesus. Because he's the only perfect parent. And so it is really 
Everything that I'm going to teach you um, from this point forward about what I believe, you know, you know, for parenting and this, you know, you go, wow, man, I don't have kids or I already raised my kids. Listen, we're always influencing. We're, and all of these things, um, they're applicable spiritually in all of our relationships that we're involved in spiritually with other people. <clears throat> and so um, everything really is foundational about today's uh, talk is this truth, is that the only way to get the experience that you need is by being in a personal relationship with Jesus. Now, my parents were great parents. Like, I don't think, like, I don't think you could ask for more loving parents. Um, <clears throat> my mom and dad were really cool and just loved uh, me and my brothers and, and provided us a great experience. But the fact of the matter is, and I rely heavily on my experience from my parents um, that, that I received, but there's a whole lot more that I do that my parents didn't do. They did some of it, but a lot of it they didn't. My dad didn't start going to church and getting serious with the Lord until I was 16, and that was a big deal for me when that happened. But growing up all the way to 16, which is all my formative years, all, I worried about my dad. Because I would see my mom, we'd go to church, she would pray for him, and he, he worked on Sunday mornings, and occasionally he would go Sunday nights, and, and I was just worried, man, <clears throat> as to whether or not, I didn't know if my dad knew the Lord or not, and I, I thought he did, but I didn't really know he did, um, and so I looked up to my dad, but I didn't know, know for sure, and so I had some uncertainty there, and boy, when he, when he started getting serious with the Lord, what a, boy, that was such a transformative experience for me at 16 years of age, and my brothers as well, really got our attention. Now, it didn't really impact me for several years later, but, but it, it was a really big deal in our home, and, and so I, I say that to say, you know, you can't rely on everything that you get growing up. Um, the, the perfect parenting, and I think every parent wants that. Every parent wants to be a perfect parent. You've got to have, and you're not going to be, by the way, and you're not going to raise perfect kids, but you want to do the best that you possibly can. And so you've got to be parented by the best. It is the key to successful parenting. It's as, it's as simple as parenting kids the way God parents you. And so in order to do that, You've got to have firsthand experience of what it means to be parented by the Lord himself. And um, that really is transformation. That's transformation in our lives where we're going through a process of we're, we're just looking different all the time because the Lord is always doing a work in our lives. And so Peter, Peter gives us this incredible model for transformation, and it's crucial for parenting. So I'm going to give it to you. Um, we're going to run down through it. And, and again, like if you're a dad and you're sitting in here I and mean, you, you think, man, I, I'm going to do what's best for my kids. You got to get this. Um, moms, you got to get this because like this is the most important thing. All right. Here, here's the first first thing. As I've already said, greatest parents have the greatest parent. OK, so we look at first Peter chapter one, verse three. This is what Peter says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You drop down to verse 23 of the same chapter. For you have been born again, 
not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. All right, so there, there's a really important word here. This birth, it's mentioned twice, is the Greek word anegoneo, okay? And it means to produce again, born anew. And I'm reminded of John chapter 3. Same form of the word. Jesus is having a conversation with Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is, is saying, man, I know that you are from, like, you're out of this world because you're doing things that no normal human being can do. And Jesus responds to him and says, um, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so what is, what is taking place is a spiritual birth. You're, you're produced anew spiritually. And when this birth takes place, God is in you. And so this is so cool because you become a temple of the Holy Spirit. And this, this idea is taught all throughout the Old Testament and New Testament. We first have God coming and, and ministering to Moses and calling him and giving him a law and leading the children of Israel out of the bondage of Egypt. And once they are free, one of the first things that happens is God gives Moses all of these instructions and he tells him to build this thing called the Ark of, of the Covenant. And it is there that is this, this uh, wood structure that is wrapped in gold and has these two angelic beings over it. And once all of the rest of the stuff for the temple is built, and it's a temporary tabernacle at this point, meaning it could be packed up and it was mobile, um, and, and later it would become a, a permanent structure. But when all of the things were finished... There was a prayer of dedication, and the glory of God came and rested on the Ark of the Covenant. And God would lead them. And when the uh, pillar of fire would come up and, and move, then they would follow it. It was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And, and then when they would stop, again, God's presence, known as the Shekinah glory, would come down and it would dwell in this Ark. And Moses was the mediator. So he served as a type of Christ um, for the people of Israel. And they had to observe the law, and all of these things were external. And so Moses would pray on behalf of the people, and, and, and he, would, he would make judgments for the people. And so Moses served as the prophet of God, and he sort of is like the Holy Spirit of the Old Testament during that time period um, for the people, how the Holy Spirit interacts with us. But when we get to the New Testament, um, we have Jesus crucified on the cross, and the veil of the temple is rent in two. Now, the veil of the temple was this thick curtain that separated the holy place from the most holy place. And behind that, that curtain in the most holy place was the Ark of the Covenant. The glory of God was present there. And so when Jesus was crucified, he said, To tell us thy it is finished. And he gave up his last breath. It, the, the scripture says there was an earthquake, man. And, and this, this, this veil ripped. And what God was signifying to all of humanity supernaturally is that he's now approachable. And Jesus taught that he would send the comforter. And we learn from the apostle Paul, who was called of Jesus, that we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so we are the new ark of the covenant. Okay, so God lives in us. So what is happening here in this birth is that you become the temple of the Holy Spirit. 
you become a shelter of development. You become a place where God is developing you and shaping you into the kind of being that he wants you to be. And he leads you. And so we no longer need a mediator like Moses because Jesus is the great high priest. He's the great prophet. Um, and he sends back the, the mediator in the form of himself spiritually to live inside of us. But that can only happen when a neganeo happens. It is produced anew. So everybody who just says, oh, well, I'm a Christian. Listen, you may be a Christian religiously, and you may identify with Christianity in that sense, but if you've never experienced the neganeo, you don't know Jesus, and you can't have firsthand experience. And so there is a time in your life where you have a birth spiritually and you come alive. It says that the scripture says that all men are dead in their sins and trespasses, that we are all enemies of Christ. And then at the perfect time, God sent his son born of a woman in order to die for us. And we can, we can reconcile this place of deadness that we are in when we come to a place of saving faith, meaning that we we come to a place where we believe and acknowledge that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God who takes away the sin of the world, that he was God in the flesh. And when we believe that and we confess our sin and say, I'm helpless in my state, I realize I need Jesus, then we are forgiven of our sin, and that is a neganeo. And so we are, at that point, are born, we are like cleansed of our sins, and we become the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we are ready for God to begin developing us, and we are ready to be parented by the perfect parent. And so the perfect parent can't parent you if you're not one of his children. And so we look at this, and what is happening is uh, that you're becoming a child of God, and it's the greatest thing that can happen for your kids. I mean, you can take a dad that is, is, is deadbeat, strung out on alcohol, is never around, and a neganeo, and something shifts, and he will come back into his kids' lives. And, and it is a transformation that happens that is outside of himself. You could be a person who's a pretty good dude, and you're present in the home, and you could be offering your kids a pretty good experience. But if a neganeo has never happened, you are cheating them. Because you don't know the greatest parent. So you can't be the greatest parent because you, you have no idea what it's like to be parented and developed by the greatest parent. You see Jesus maybe off in the distance and you think, man, I think Jesus was a great dude, but you've never experienced the transformative power of the Holy Spirit entering into your life. And so you don't know what it is like to personally be developed by him. And so it's the greatest experience that could happen for your kids as a parent as a parent, is that you surrender to Jesus. And that, that is such a crucial step. Because once you're born again, is what we refer to being born again. We say, well, why do you say born again? Because it is not a physical birth. It's as miraculous as a physical birth. I remember man Joel was born. Like, <laughs> it's, so, it's so funny. I get tickled by uh, first-time parents. Um, and I was one, okay? So I'm not busting on you. I remember myself. I was like, yeah, do, I don't know if we should let him hold him. Like, I don't know if she, he, she may drop our kid. Like, you think that. Number three, take him. 
right? So you get to faith in our household. Anybody that wants to hold a child, take one. We don't care. <laughs> we got more. <laughs> so you, you shift. But I remember, um, I remember, man, when he was born, like there was just a, like it was it was a transformation for me. And birth, birth happens that way. It's like he he came into our lives and immediately I had three thoughts. Man, one was um, I can't believe God loves me enough that he would give his son. Because I didn't know, like there were just chambers in my heart that were open that I didn't know existed. Like I didn't know I was, I didn't know I was capable of loving the way that I was capable of loving until he came. And when he came, I was just like, it was just like, just, just me and Abby both just wept. Um, and so I couldn't believe that. Uh, and I, I couldn't believe, I don't remember what the third one was, so I'm going to skip it. I have to go back and read my journal. But the other main one was, oh my, I have not been good enough to my parents. <laughs> like I just, I just, just dawned on me, I've been so awful to my parents. If they loved me this much, how could I have treated them some of the ways that I had treated them? And so I went through this, this incredible transformation. And, and so that's, that's, that's what happens physically when a, when a new life comes into being. It's not there and it impacts the people around them. Well, spiritually, man, when I met the Lord, that's what happened is it just things just changed when I met the Lord. And so there's a transformation that happens in this, this birth process. And so that's the first step, man. You can never be parented by God until you become a son or daughter of God. And the only way to become a son or daughter of God is to know him personally, to be in a relationship with him, to be born spiritually. So that's, that's the first step is great parents have the greatest parent. Then Peter goes on in chapter 2, and he starts to dig and build on this foundation of this aneganeo. And he says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Here's the second takeaway. Great parents grow beyond spiritual infancy. Okay? This is really important because in the church in America, we have too many infants in Christ. When I was talking about my dad, later I found out that my dad gave his life to the Lord when he was younger. Um, he talked about it in his testimony. They didn't know that. And one of the reasons that I was, had no confidence about my dad knowing the Lord is because until I was 16, he was a baby in Christ. He was an infant. And that's why for the first 16 years of my life, I have no spiritual development of what it is like to be parented by the greatest parent in the world from my father because he did very little spiritual development from the greatest parent in the world up to that point in his life. And so like when we think through, okay, how are we going to parent our kids? Um, how are we going to even parent? Like you could take this to, again. I'm going to be sensitive for those of you um, who don't have kids. And you go, man, like this is, this is irrelevant. It is not because the same is true spiritually. You have spiritual kids around you. And so like you could be an infant in Christ. And, and if you don't grow beyond that infancy, you can never help someone else grow. And so like the, the church is just filled with infants, and we need people who are stepping forward 
and learning how to grow beyond infancy. And, and that's what it takes to be a great parent, is you've got to grow beyond spiritual infants, infancy. We start as infants, but we aren't designed to stay there. And that's why Peter starts here. We crave the word like a baby does milk. And, and you don't have to teach a baby to do that. They just do it, okay? And it's, it's a stressful time and a challenging time, especially for a, a, a first-time mother, um, to, to start that child, even if, you, if your desire is to nurse that child, um, I remember for Abby, like it was a stressful time, man. Like, is the baby, like, is he going to start? Is he going to like, are we going to like, are we going to be doing this formula route or what? And, and so thank God they started because that stuff, that formula is expensive, right? I'll tell you another thing about uh, formula for those of you uh, considering this. And again, I, there's no one way or the other, but um, babies poop is a lot better on nursing than it is formula. Amen? Like, so, so anyway, come on, man. So, so uh, anyway, uh, like a baby, like you worry, is the baby going to, is, is, this, is this going to happen or not? And then, um, and then it, like it does, they just instinctively, they know and, and, they, and then they crave it and they let you know and they continue to cry when they need to be fed. And, um, and so like Peter says, you, here you got to crave the word. You crave that like a baby craves pure um, spiritual milk. And you taste the Lord. When you taste the Lord, so like you're in the word and, and it's alive and it's active and you taste a, a portion of it. And you go, man, the, like, this, is, this is speaking to me right here. I can, I can hear God speaking to me from what I'm reading from these words of, of Scripture and you taste it, and, and you want more of it because you start to grow, and you develop a spiritual appetite for truth. And, and so you got to get that child to taste milk. Well, for you as a, as a parent, if you want to be the greatest parent, you got to get a hold of that milk, man. you gotta, you got to get a hold of the, the milk of the Word and begin to understand the simple basic truths of the, that the Lord is teaching you, even about spiritual birth and, and infancy. And, and man, there's just all kinds of wonder in the Word. And as we grab a hold of it, we, we just crave more of it. And if we never grab a hold of it, we never do spirit, uh, develop a spiritual appetite for it. And so we get stuck in this place of spiritual infancy. And so once we get a taste of Jesus, we see how good He is, then we begin to crave more. And this process all starts when you experience a spiritual birth. And, and so that's why it's so important, man, that like when you become a, a person who follows Jesus, the next step, just get in the Word. Just get in the Word and read the Word and let the Word um, speak to you. And, and great parents don't get stuck in infancy. They crave more and they grow in salvation. And that's a good thing. Just like it's a good thing for our kids, we want them to grow. And if we don't, then it becomes problematic if the kids don't grow. If we can't get them to grow and, and mature and start taking on um, a, a development for themselves, and, and, and the Lord showed me some things about great parenting that I'll get into about control in, in the coming weeks. But, but man, like you just take a baby, for instance. Again, like you, you get an infant, and okay, so some of you first-time parents, like the, the first time they poop, it's awful. Maconium, is that what it's called, moms? That stuff is like wiping tar off of a, your shoe or something, right? But you, 
It's true. But once you get past that, then it's, it's not that bad at all. And, and you're just like, oh, this is not bad. You know? But then you get a little older, and it starts getting rougher. And you want to get them out of this stage as soon as you can because it, it just gets worse and worse. And if you've got a, a kid that's two or three years old that you're still having to do it for, and they get into four and five, you've got a real mess on your hands, right? Well, that's what it's like spiritually. If a person stays in this place of infancy and they never grow, like when, they first, when you first come to know the Lord, there's a, it's expected that it's, it's going to kind of be like that real nasty, messy part right there at the beginning. But then you ought to kind of be craving this, this pure spiritual milk and things get a little smoother and you're going to make messes and people are going to help you. And, and, but, but at some point, man, you got to get potty trained. And you got to know how to, uh, like, what to do with some of this stuff. Like, it's not supposed to be on you all the time. And that's what Peter is saying here. I, this is the grossest sermon you could ever preach. <laughs> but it's true, okay? It's just as true as it could be. And so, and so like, like I want you to hear that because I want you to know if you're stuck in spiritual infancy, that's what you're offering your kids. Like, it's absurd for us to say, man, I'm letting my five-year-old just continue to do this, and I'm not trying to teach him anything. It's absurd for a person to come to know the Lord and for five years still be in the same spot spiritually. They need to move. And, and so Peter, he's saying, you, you grow up in your salvation. You start to move forward. And then he says in verse 4, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Here's the next takeaway. Great parents enjoy being built into spiritual houses. They move from infancy into this building process where they're being built up in the Lord. And, and this word is the word um, oikodomeo. And it means erecting on a foundation. What is the foundation? Jesus is the living stone. That birth, that spiritual birth is the foundation upon Christ on which we build. And then the second word, he says, you also like living stones, is that the word zeo, and it means enjoying real life. And so I put that together, and it's enjoying being built into a spiritual house by the Lord, who is the greatest parent. And so as people come to the living stone, they become living stones being built into his temple. And so God is he's constructing a, a temple, if you will, here on the planet for everyone to see, and it's us, his kids. And so as we go and we do things, man, we... We go to the choir concerts and the wrestling matches and the football games and the basketball games, and, and we watch them, and, and everybody's looking. We're building a house for everyone to see. That's what God is doing. He's building a house for everyone to see, and it's for everyone to see his kids performing in life, being built into spiritual houses and becoming all that they're supposed to be. 
And so that's why the Scripture says we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Even heaven looks as God builds His temple, and we are living stones within that temple. And this is exciting and fascinating because um, we are His temple on earth, and we are growing. And so we go, what, what, I want to do all that I can for my kids. You say, ask yourself. You see, what you would immediately jump to is, well, what am I, like, like with your eyes, your physical eyes, what we immediately jump to is, what am I providing them in the clothes that they wear, in the food that they eat, in the experiences they have? What, what am I providing them? Do I have a college um, savings fund for them set up? Uh, do I have some trips that I can take them on and give them the greatest vacations and make their birthday parties just amazing with all of their kids coming over? And we put all of our energy in that. That's not going to make you a great parent. That's cool. Make you a cool parent. But at the end of the day, none of that matters compared to what I'm talking about. If you want to be a great parent, the first question you got to look at and go, am I growing in the Lord? Am I being built in a spiritual temple, a spiritual house as a living stone? And Have I embraced that? And am I enjoying it? And do my kids um, look at me and see Oika Demeo? And Zeo, me enjoying the greatest parent developing me into a spiritual house here on the planet. And so as they look at me, their father, they, they had to be able to see Jesus. Now, there are times, and, and I will confess, that there are times in my life that they see things that, that I, I probably don't look like Jesus. But I've got more times where they are seeing it than that they aren't. And I'm striving, man, I'm striving for the Lord to grow me up in the way that he desires for me to be so that they can see what it looks like to follow Jesus. And I'm encouraged in the Lord that I've done this all their lives, and I'm encouraged, man, um, by um, the faith that they're developing. I'm, I'm, I'm particularly, I'm going to preach at one of them right now. You, got, you guys got your seatbelts buckled? I got all five up here today. Who wants it today? You get it, Faith. I'm encouraged by you. Like, like I, I see you growing in the Lord. And I know everything's not like perfect for you. I see you struggling through things. But I can see Jesus in you. And it's really cool that the Lord is using you to minister to me. You're actually even spurring me on. The, the Bible says we spur one another on in the Lord, in our growth in the Lord. And what a rewarding thing for me as a father to watch you reflect the character of Christ and be spurred on. And so I'm, I'm thankful for that. So be encouraged in the Lord. Keep your eyes focused on him. And just keep, keep pressing in and pressing in on the Lord and what he's taking you on. And see, man, like, what, this is what we do for each other. Is that <laughs> there are certain things that I'm not able to offer my kids but this one is, this is just a no-brainer. And it's, it doesn't cost me anything financially. And it just invests in my relationship with the Lord. He, he builds me up and he helps me build my kids up. And so like when, we, when, we're, when we're walking through life, man, and you want to be a great parent, it's not about the bricks and mortar. <laughs> it's not about whether or not you can afford to get them a car. It's about transformation. That's it. Now, all the other stuff, nothing wrong with it. 
Matter of fact, it's great. But not if it supersedes the most important thing. Like what they need to see is transformation. And my prayer is that my kids will always be able to see that in me. I didn't just get transformed a long time ago and that was it. I'm still being transformed. And I go through each year and the Lord just keeps building me in to the spiritual temple that he wants me to be on the planet. And, And until I die, I continue just to continue to grow and grow and grow and grow. And I enjoy that, man. And he does that. And I love being parented by the Lord because as I understand how he parents me, I know what to do with them. I just, I like the more I know of what he's doing with me, that's what I do with him. Sometimes it brings a lot of grace and mercy and, and I, that's what I talk to them about. And sometimes it brings a little wrath and judgment. Sometimes it brings discipline and the Lord does that, man. Sometimes there are consequences for my sin that I, I know I've walked into and the Lord will let me walk in that pain and I have to reap the consequences of those, that sin, but it grows me. And then sometimes there's just this incredible grace and mercy that I don't understand why God would let me do some of the things that he lets me do. And that's, that's like, that's how you parent. Well, if you don't know what that's all about, how can you actually offer that to your kids in grace and truth? The more you know of it, the, the easier it is um, to develop your kids for the Lord. You know, Peter goes on, he says like, you know, you're being built into a spiritual house. And he says, why? Why are we being built into that house? To be a holy priesthood, he says, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. And a stone, it says, that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they are destined for. Here's the next takeaway. Great parents welcome and embrace sacrifice. So they move from infancy into this spiritual growth, and and then they come to this place where they're embracing sacrifice. And this is, boy, this is so important, is this phase happens when we comprehend and we walk through the other phases. And a lot of times when sacrifice comes up, um, sometimes people struggle with it. And and when we walk through and comprehend these other phases, what happens is we see it clear enough that we sacrifice in order to resource the reality of those phases in other people. (laughs) And so just like like a parent makes sacrifices in the home, you'll make sacrifices financially to help your kids to grow in the Lord, then there, there are sacrifices that we are called upon to make in order for the kingdom to keep moving forward in our lives and in the lives of other people. And so our effectiveness, like to be able to reach the community even, is dependent upon the people of God embracing sacrifice of their own lives. Like there's no heavenly spiritual Fort Knox. (laughs) I don't call God and say, Lord, we need a little more cash for the budget. It comes from his people. It's always come from his people. Now, 
Here's, here's something very interesting. And we, we look in terms of that when we say, well, we talk about money. It comes in terms of time. Um, it comes in terms of your, your giftedness, how you serve the kingdom. And so this church, if this is your home church, it ought to be blessed by everything God has put in you. You ought to be bringing some of your gifts to this portion of the kingdom. You see, I see that God's city is a city of transformation. And we, as a church, are a suburb in the city of transformation. And your home is a home in this subdivision. And so, like, you have, you have dues. Like, I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm trying to help you see something here. And, yeah, I am. the church should benefit from you. I make no apologies for that. You are more gifted in some areas of your life than I will ever be. And you can do things that I could never do and that some of the staff could never do. And the church should benefit from that. And, and the church should benefit from your time. And the church should benefit from your money because you're benefiting from it. And he's building you into a living stone, a spiritual house. And when you walk through infancy and birth and, and you're growing in your salvation and he's building you, when it comes to sacrifice, you welcome it. You enjoy it. You embrace it. You're like, man, I, I went in on this because I know what the Lord has done in my life. Here's the danger. If you hear that and it causes you some consternation, you're being tripped up, it's because you have not walked through these other faces correctly. You have not walked through the birth and the infancy, and you, you maybe you're stuck in infancy. And so you don't know how to embrace sacrifice because you've never experienced all the Lord has tried to teach you because your ears are kind of closed to it. And, and so like if you'll walk through it, don't like if you walk through the obedience that he's calling you to, you'll see that he always is asking for a different kind of sacrifice in your life. And as we walk through those things, man, we begin to experience the power of the Lord being unleashed in, in our lives. And, and so the resources to operate the kingdom come from the commitment of those who are growing up in the Lord and sacrificing. The mission either becomes precious or it trips you up. And if you skip, you trip. If you skip the first phases, you will trip on this one. And so right now you may even be like, I don't, I don't, I don't every time I come to church, it seems like the preacher talks about money. Maybe the Lord is trying to talk to you about something else, and money's just tripping you up. And he just wants you to move beyond infancy. And maybe you need to back off of that and go, why is it that every time you come to the church, the Lord or the preacher talks about money, because I rarely talk about it. We don't even take an offer. So the Lord is trying to say something to you. And so you could get all upset and cry like a spoiled brat and make a mess like a baby, or you could go, man, the Lord is trying to teach me something here. And you embrace it, and what will happen is he will begin to parent you through that, and you will learn things that you wished you would have learned 20 years ago. This is how the Lord works, man. It's just the same thing. You know how you get older. One of, the, one of the things that you get a little bit older, one of the things you do is scratch your head and go, geez, how far ahead would I be right now if I'd have listened to my dad? Right? They, they actually know what they're talking about. 
It's because they have life experience. And so the same is true um, for this, this part. And so what happens is if you walk through the first phases, then this phase is supernatural. It's just a supernatural experience, and you want to be a part of it. That's why the Bible says, when you, like, if you can't be a cheerful giver, don't give. Like it's, it, the Lord loves a cheerful giver, okay? Because it's supernatural. Like you just want to be a part of it. And it launches you into this final phase because you own the kingdom. And, and this is what Peter says, but you, he goes, you're a holy priesthood offering sacrifices. Then he, in verse nine, he says, you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Here's the last phase is great parents declare the kingdom. They just start declaring it and they're not trying to declare it. They just do declare it. And this is the phase of production and growth in your life. This is where fruit starts happening all around you, and that fruit is impacting people in your home. And, and so disciples begin to declare how God's mercy has brought them through all of this stuff. And it just starts coming out of them, man. And so it looks like this. I've tasted Jesus, and he is good. He changed me into a living part of his earthly temple by forgiving me. Experiencing transformation is so awesome that I now sacrifice to maximize the declaration of his mercy to others. And so it, just, it just happens. And so we begin making disciples by being disciples, being disciples of the Lord, being parented by him. And the kingdom starts moving. It just moves. It'll move in your home. And the reality is, our kids are just disciples that live with us. And so you are the priest of your home, and you disciple them kids in the Lord. And if Jesus hasn't taught you what it means to be a disciple... You have nothing to teach your kids. And you'll never be a great parent. But everything your son or daughter needs is free and available. And you just embrace it and let him teach you. And then you teach them. And it's more caught than it is taught. They need to see it. And so the big idea where we land today is great parents have first-hand experience with Jesus. Everything else like that we're going to talk about like is built on this. It's like you, you need first-hand experience from the greatest parent. I'm not the greatest parent. I just know him. And, and I was talking to Caitlin about some things she was struggling with a little bit about influence and peer influence in her life. And she, she started to say, you know, it's hard, Dad. Like, you don't understand. It's hard. Um, because they don't, they don't, like, want the same things that you're talking about. And they don't, like, they don't want to learn about those things. And I said, I know it's hard. I said, I've been doing it my whole life. And there are people 
that don't want the same things that I'm trying to teach them. There are people that will never come to church. Like There are people that I've tried to develop relationships with that don't want anything of it. But here's the deal, Caitlin. Those friends of yours, I know a lot of them. And they were born into homes where their parents don't know what it's like to walk with the Lord like I know. And so your friends have never seen what you get to see every day. Because me and your mom are 100% sold out to the Lord Jesus. And we walk with him. And our lives are all about honoring him. And so every day of your life has been a day in which you've walked, woken up, and you've seen a man that the Lord used to bring your soul into the world. And you see a mom whose womb you grew up in. You became a soul in that womb who sold out to Jesus. And so it's not so much about like whether or not this is fun for you. It's more about you recognize the grace of God that let you be born in this house. Because with like all of this becomes an incredible amount of responsibility. And so you can't be one who's waiting and, and trying to get like to, to follow people. Like you gotta be one who leads in this. And some of them will say no. And you just keep on leading. Because as you keep leading, some of them will look and go, I want to be a part of that. And I say, that's what I do in ministry. Is there all the time people say, man, I want to follow that guy because I like the way he's living his life. I like the way he's teaching about how to have a relationship with the Lord. And there are people who come and they're follow me. And I thank God for every single one of you. Because there are thousands that I have interacted with over my lifetime that have said, I don't want anything to do with that. But I look around and I see there's quite a few people here this morning and the Lord has brought you and we are in spiritual family together and we just keep moving the kingdom forward and the Lord helps us in all of these things. So be encouraged in the Lord. Don't expect everybody to buy into what I'm teaching because everybody, like the, the scripture is so plain about this. Men love darkness more than they do light. But when we come to the light, we're like, what? How could I have loved darkness so much when we get out into the light? And so the secret to great parenting is just treat your kids how God treats you. You don't need a book. You just need to know Jesus. And if you know Jesus, you've got all that you need if you're walking with him to be the greatest parent that you could ever be to your kids. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that you are a great father. You are the, you're a good father, Lord. We thank you that you're patient with us. We thank you that you help us to be great moms and dads, not only to our own kids, Lord, but to, to spiritually to other people. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to walk this out in spirit and truth, that we would have that family, that, that patria, Lord, that you desire for us to have. And that we would walk in spirit and truth. And that more people would come and join our spiritual family because they see the fruit that is happening in our physical families. We love you. We thank you. 
We pray these things in Christ's name. I'm going to ask you to just remain in a spirit of prayer. Listen, if you if you're like stuck on that part of a neganeo, I don't know if I've ever been born spiritually. All I can tell you about that is that, man, the Lord, he comes to us. We know when he comes, like we can, we, we know it is a, play, a time where we're being convicted over sin. And it's, it's as simple as a surrender, as the Lord invites us to be a part of his kingdom. And we lay down our lives and say, I'm yours, Lord. And that's the first step in transformation is giving our lives, not someone else giving it. We're not talking about your parents giving it. We're not talking about baptism. Like, like baptism is, is a confession, a public confession that it has happened. We're talking about a real encounter with the risen Christ. That is birth. And so if that happens, it's just a matter of taking your life and saying yes to Jesus. And all of us either say yes or no. And that's what separates the city of God and the city of Babylon. And my prayer for you today is that you would say yes and be confident to know that he who starts a good work in you will finish it. And if you have questions, I'm more than happy to meet with you as well as any of the other staff. We'd love to talk and and visit with you, but I encourage you, don't be afraid to lay down your life and come to know the greatest parent that ever existed. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at overlandpark.cc.